like to take this opportunity, President Tshisekedi, to thank you and your government for the warm welcome that you have extended to us to visit your beautiful country. The Democratic Republic of the Congo is the heart of Africa, and it is a country of immense importance to the history of our continent. The DRC has an equally important role to play in the future of our continent with the wonderful resources that it has, represented in both its human capital, that is its own people, as well as other natural resources that are embedded in its soil. It is for this reason that we want to see more and more better relations between South Africa and the DRC. This binational commission, the 12th one, between our two countries underscores the importance of this relationship. Our visit today comes at a time when there are many changes and challenges, but also exciting opportunities for both our two countries and indeed for our continent. It is very pleasing to be here in this business forum to see South African business people as well as DRC business people gathered here, taking time out to talk about the various opportunities for business and investment that they can exploit between our two countries. Yes, we meet at a time when there are many challenges, and some of these include the after effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, rising food prices and fuel prices due to the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. But we also meet at a time when many economies around the world are having to face the challenges of anemic economic growth and also when many communities in many countries are also facing the challenge of climate change. And yet, even though we face all these challenges, we are a continent that is brimming with potential and great opportunities. From North Africa to the southern part of our continent, Southern Africa, from the east to the west, and here in Central Africa, we are favored with a vast array of endowments. We have abundant mineral resources and fossil fuel reserves, large tracts of arable land, and in many parts, abundant water supply. We have a diverse terrain that supports all manner of infrastructure development, including renewable energy. We have had 
great accounts from our two business leaders who have spoken with one voice about all these opportunities. Yet these vast endowments are not currently producing the favorable economic and developmental outcomes as we, the people of this continent, would wish them to. We are meeting here today, yes, hearing from business, from the DRC in South Africa, because they do not see these obstacles. They see opportunities. Now, that is a great benefit, much as, as we listen to the two business leaders, we heard them talk about the opportunities and not merely obstacles. That, in my view, is most refreshing, most encouraging. Beyond our natural endowments, we have many other strengths as a continent. Our continent is a young continent, as it has been attested to in many, many accounts and publications in the world. Approximately 70% of sub-Saharan population is under the age of 30. Africa's youth is digitally savvy, having grown up in the information age, they are tech savvy and are leading the way in the use and consumption of new technologies. And given that modern economies are really driven by technology, this we can say is the century of the African youth. Africa is growing. It is, it is estimated that by 2050, Africa's population will grow to 2.5 billion people with a new generation that is more urbanized, better educated, and wealthier than any that came before it. Africa is urbanizing, providing networks of skills, of opportunity that can drive our continent's development. By some projections, the urban population of our continent will be larger than that of China and India and four times larger than that of the United States. To realize the opportunity of this demographic dividend, we will need to rapidly expand and diversify our industrial capacity as a continent. We do need to shift away from simply being producers of raw minerals that are processed elsewhere in the world. I said earlier at the press conference that we should stop just cutting off soil, dust, and rock destined for other parts of the world we should be the repository of producing beautiful, technologically well-innovated products that are shiny, that are attractive out of this continent rather than just soil and rock. Africa's appetite for industrialization 
has indeed been wetted. Many of you seated here, you can already see far ahead. As we listen to you, you are talking about an industrialized continent. And we welcome that. And we applaud you for that. And we will continue to support you in that journey of industrializing our continent. Across the continent, we see new investment in factories, in logistic systems that can power higher levels of growth and create many jobs for the many young people on our continent. COVID-19 taught us the importance of Africa developing its own industrial base. We were left stranded without resources to fight the pandemic. And that pandemic was like a wake-up call to all of us on the continent. We could not access sufficient supplies of medical grade face masks, ventilators, surgical gowns, hand sanitizers, even testing kits. We could also not gain access to vaccines. If there ever was a wake-up call and a wake-up moment for Africa, it was during the period of COVID. Through our efforts to repurpose industrial capabilities, the continent was able in more ways than one to reverse this. We became a manufacturer of all these products in a short space of time and many of us have not even begun to internalize what we did just within a three-year period. We were able to be manufacturers of our personal protective equipment. We were able to manufacture things such as surgical gowns, masks, even sanitizers, ventilators, and yes, we were also able to manufacture vaccines and produce vaccines, and we are now beginning to export these to each other, and we'll also be exporting to other parts of the world. Now, if you begin to imagine what we were able to achieve within a three-year period, and begin to see the endowments that we have, the enormous endowments, then you can begin to look into the future and say, yes, as Africans, we can do it. We can do it more than we ourselves imagine. We can think way beyond the skies and the stars and begin to see a future which will be beneficial for all of us Africans. So this crisis, and I refer to it because President Chisekedi, myself, and many other leaders on the continent, we were in the midst of it, trying to save the lives of our people, but at the same time, it taught us valuable lessons of the future. I do want us to internalize this so that we realize what we did within a short space of time.
One of the lessons that we learned is that Africa's industrial base, while growing, needs to be much deeper and much larger. It requires significant investment in science and innovation. It requires a conducive environment for investment. It requires skills development that is focused and greater levels of trade with each other. Simply put, we have not been trading with each other as Africa. We trade with other locales in the world. When we want food, we go outside our continent. When we want even clothes, we go outside our continent. And yet the talent, the resources, and the capability resides in this continent. And if there ever was a time for us to move on to another level of development, this is the time. South Africa and the DRC can be leaders in this important project of ensuring that we exploit, utilize, and beneficiate our resources and make sure that we become the supplier to the world from our endowment of resources. We can combine our raw materials and skills and our technology as well as capital. We can also do so by combining the talent of our young people, our universities, into a powerful drive to industrialize our economies. There are immediate opportunities from the potential in the food industry to critical raw materials that are needed to build new green industries. There are opportunities in the supply of mining equipment and know-how as well as in services like telecommunications, banking, retail, in aviation as well. We have an opportunity to develop an integrated supply chain for new sectors such as electric vehicle battery manufacturing here on the continent utilizing our combined resources and capacities. This is one of the most important initiatives we can take to ensure that Africa can be a leading manufacturer and I look forward to taking this forward as well with President Chisekedi. I'm very pleased that our ministers were able to talk at length and at depth about precisely this area. I had President Chisekedi and I had the opportunity to listen carefully to the report that you have given as business and your ambitions, but we also had opportunity today to listen to the report from our ministers. I'm pleased that we have several South African companies that are here present, as well as those who manage money, financing institutions. 
I know there are a number of Congolese businesses that are operating already in South Africa. There is no doubt that there is vast potential. We must work more closely to address the challenges that have been identified by the private sector and work to overcome them. Opportunities always has a number of challenges that needs to be attended to. And here too, as we face opportunities in both countries, there are accompanying challenges that we also need to address. We have agreed that South Africa will host the next joint bilateral working committee before the end of 2023. This is to enable us to go beyond the 81 decisions that were taken during the course of this past few days so that we are able to begin the process of implementing the decisions that we have taken. We have also agreed to joint technical teams to address both trade challenges and problems that, yes, business people on both sides often experience. We expect that a number of Congolese business people will also come and invest in South Africa so that what Robert Kumede was talking about and getting a number of South African companies to come and invest here should also be reciprocated in South Africa by Congolese businesses. That is important so that there isn't a one-way investment road. It should be two ways because that is how we strengthen and enhance the relationship between the two peoples. And that in many ways is how we will also make the African renaissance that we've always spoken about come alive. And during this past few days with the discussions that have taken place amongst our ministers and officials, we have identified a number of projects that can make that renaissance come alive. One of those which President Chisekedi and I hold very dear to our hearts is the Grand Inga project to make sure that it does come alive having been asleep since for almost 10 years, if not more, we want to boot it back into life. And South Africa is very keen that the Grand Inga project should go ahead and we willing, determined, and prepared to even take a participation and make sure that yes, it is built, and South Africa will be able to take up its own energy allocation from that so that we can fire our electricity back home with the Grand Inga project. And we thank you, President Chisekedi, for the DRC having conceptualized this wonderful continental project. I spoke about it in Paris the other day and said we would like, yes, various financing institutions to support this 
because if we talk about African Renaissance, we must be able to locate it around mega projects such as this one. And this is when the Congolese economy will also be fired and start growing. So we are delighted to be here as South Africa, and we are also pleased to have had all these accounts from business people. The one other issue which Robert Gobede mentioned was the endowment of the minerals you have here. And one of the things that I do firmly believe we should do, as the world is now looking at the African continent as the reservoir which we are of minerals, is that we should wisen up and be wise and manage our mineral resources more wisely and ensure that we agglomerate all these mineral resources. One of the first things we should do is to set up a critical minerals commission for the African continent so that those who want to come and exploit our minerals find us united, find us together, and find us wiser. It is when we can do this that we will be able to demonstrate to the world that we are indeed prepared to be innovative and to look to a future of great prosperity for the people of our continent. Yes, as a continent we have many challenges, but we must now take our destiny in our own hands. And this is one of the ways to begin doing so. To look at big ticket projects like the Grand Inga, to look at how we can agglomerate our minerals and have them managed better for the people of our continent. We are determined to ensure that all Africans benefit from their fair share of global growth and development. I am certain that working together, deepening our cooperation, and exploring new avenues of endeavor, we can achieve a better future for our continent. Just as I end, the relationship between the DRC and South Africa has really been greatly enhanced by our visit here, and that is why we thank you, President Chisikedi. We had the occasion to talk about a vast area of issues, including some of the challenges that the DRC is facing, particularly on the east part of the DRC. And we have said that South Africa will continue to support the DRC, even through the security challenges that we are facing. We are going to be talking about a bilateral agreement between our two countries. So for us who are here as government and indeed as business people, we continue to be inspired by what Nelson Mandela started in terms of promoting a good relationship between the DRC and South Africa. We will continue 
in Nelson Mandela's footsteps to make sure that the relationship between our two countries is one of the best in the world. Thank you very much.